Empire. Hello and welcome to this podcast. This podcast without a name. Uh, I'll give you mine though. My name is Ben Standig. I am the uh, Washington beat reporter for The Athletic. Uh, pleasure to uh, be talking to you guys today. Very excited to be doing this podcast that, as I said, has no name. And uh, this is uh, the pilot episode. We're going to see what we can we can do with this. But as somebody who has been covering this football team for several years, as a uh, longtime sports reporter in town, a native Washingtonian, I have been desperate to get back onto the podcast scene and came up with the idea of simply, hey, why don't I just uh, talk about sports? Uh, we'll get to my interview with Chris Long in just a moment. But first, let me start with uh, what's on my mind. It, it is week one of the NFL season, and the Washington football team is going to host the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. I'm recording this on Tuesday, the first day that the Washington football team will be practicing this week, first of three consecutive days out at the park. And look, I could pick a million topics right now to, to get into. This has been the most eventful offseason I think anybody can imagine. Uh, most of it not in a great way, obviously. But a lot of things happen, and a lot of things happen that are going to change this place, this franchise, one way or the other. But I thought one one move that just happened, I think, signifies changes that have already been made. And that was the release of running back Adrian Peterson. And it's the move that... that head coach Ron Rivera made. We know that Ron Rivera isn't just the head coach here. He has all the power on the football side. He's the one with the final say. And that in and of itself is the is a difference because the same the guy that he replaced, the full-time guy that he replaced, Jay Gruden, had the same idea with Adrian Peterson. Didn't want him here and for good reason. I'm not knocking Adrian Peterson to be clear. Adrian Peterson did a great job, I thought, his two years here, giving this offense any kind of life production. And by the way, he was fantastic with the media, so you're not going to hear me knock Adrian Peterson at all. But at the end of the day, Jay Gruden had a plan. He had a he had a system that he wanted to run. He, and going into his last season, well, he didn't know it was his last season, but everybody recognized he needed to get some wins, and he wanted to go with backs that fit him. He wanted players... When you put them in the field, you didn't. The defense didn't know if it was a run or a pass. That this is an element that Scott Turner, the new offensive coordinator, is going to use with a lot of heavy motion. Uh, obviously, Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, and others. This is what they're doing. And Adrian Peterson didn't fit either one of those systems. And yet, with Jay Gruden, Adrian Peterson was back. They re-signed him. And what happens week one? We all remember what happened week one last year, right? Gruden decides to make it, Peterson inactive and and start with Darius Geis. And Jay Gruden got murdered for this. Absolutely crushed. Disrespectful. What is he doing? Makes no sense. Forget the fact that guys later got hurt and then Peterson had to come back and more or less be the lead back for most of the rest of the season. The point is that Jay Gruden was doing what the what the football team just did now and got murdered. How is it possible that making a guy inactive, who again Adrian Peterson doesn't play special teams. That's why having him as a third as the third back doesn't really work. With you only have so many sp spots on the roster, you need 
the backups to play teams. He doesn't. And he just, like I said, wasn't a great fit. It's kind of like how NBA centers, uh, old school centers, you know, they can still play. It just doesn't work when everybody is spacing the floor and shooting threes. Peterson, it kind of feels that way with where he's at right now. Jay Gruden got murdered, yet somehow Ron Rivera cuts the guy and nobody seems to mind. You know why? Because it has nothing, because nothing's changed. What's changed is who's in charge and the perception of that person. Jay Gruden was viewed as being part of the problem here, having been here since 2014. You know, the, the, the what, what was it? Uh, I haven't had my morning coffee yet. One, one playoff appearance in that time. I think Jay Gruden did some reasonable things when he was here. He also, I think, was overmatched at times as a head coach. He also didn't have final say in personnel and was working with Bruce Allen and others that were, as we know, you know, made for a highly dysfunctional circumstance. It doesn't make sense to bring in a running back like Peterson that doesn't really fit his system. They had to do it the first year out of sort of emergency, and I totally get that. But what was the plan moving forward? And even if you wanted Peterson, Jay Gruden should have had the the say to do what needed and be backed. Instead, you know, again, we all crushed him. Well, I didn't. I actually bought into what he was doing. Because I also buy into what Ron Rivera just did. I've been saying for months, it makes no sense that Adrian Peterson is here. Now, again, maybe they 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 uh, they, they brought him back with his player option uh, because they had a lot of question marks. Where, where were the things with Darius Geis and Bryce Love with their injuries? Uh, at that time, they did it. They had yet to draft Gibson. They had yet, I believe, to sign uh, McKissick or, or Peyton Barber. So, okay, I get that, right? Peterson's at least a safety valve. But I'd still been saying for months, he needs it doesn't make any sense here even now when Geis gets kicked off the team after his arrest and Ron Rivera starts praising Peterson as a guy that the younger players should look up to yeah it's a little harder to see how Peterson's going away but the fit still didn't make any sense and if you paid any attention to me on Twitter uh that's at Ben Standick by the way or any of my colleagues you heard all we kept talking about was wow this Scott Turner offense the running backs are constantly on the move well you know who isn't like that Adrian Peterson because that's not what he is and Ron Rivera decided that they needed to, to make this move. If you go back and look at my one-on-one -on -one interview with Rivera from July, one of the questions I asked him was, at running back, are you more focused on the short term, meaning more Adrian Peterson, maybe to help settle things early, or are you more interested in getting your plan in place, the one that you brought Turner here to, to execute? Because if you go with Peterson, you're delaying the implementation of that plan. And Rivera essentially said, well, I'm not worried about the short term. I'm worried about doing things right. Well, I think he did the right thing. I think there's really no question in my mind that they needed to move on. Now, the fact that Gibson and McKissick in particular, I think, showed them enough during training camp made that a lot easier. But ultimately, they needed to move on just like Jay Gruden needed Peterson to move on. But people killed, killed Gruden for making Peterson inactive because people were over that era of Washington football team. And I don't really blame them for that. They are buying into what Ron Rivera is selling. He is one of the only bright lights here in, in a absolute dark off season uh, for the most part. And I think people are willing to accept that Ron Rivera has, uh, can, can get this, uh, can turn this around, or at least there's, there's hope. And ultimately for a fan base desperate for any signs of light, that's a good thing. So this is no knock on Adrian Peterson, who, as I said, did a fine job here. But the question to ask after his release wasn't what was Ron Rivera thinking, but rather what took so long. All right. Now let's get to my interview with former NFL defensive lineman Chris Long. What's up? 
All right. Uh, excited for the first guest here on the podcast. Uh, a big one. Uh, you know him from his lengthy NFL career, number two overall pick in the t- 2008 draft. And right now he's the, co- he's the host of the Greenlight podcast with Chris Long, which is on Apple. And I pretty much assume everywhere you can find a podcast, it is uh, Chris Long. Chris, thank you for uh, doing this, man. How, uh, how's life in pandemic world for you? Dude, thanks for having me on. And uh, as we were just talking about offline, it's better now that I think we're going to have some sort of distraction, uh, something to entertain us here. I, I, I get to gamble on football this weekend. So <laughs> life, life is at least incrementally better than it was last week because I'm getting killed in the NBA. Where I was going to say, were you doing like like when there was nothing happening a few months ago and it was the random like Korean baseball stuff where you <laughs> – I didn't – I didn't – no, I know my strengths and weaknesses, although sometimes I have to remind myself of them uh, when I find myself in a little hole. But, uh, yeah, it's tough because, yeah, I, I remember the Pac-12 tournament. I remember the two the, the last game I got a, a play-in on, I was like, I better put something down on this Wazoo-Colorado Pac-12 tournament game because it could be a while. And lo and behold, I was right. Unless you were bet- betting horses, it was going to be a long time. It is still, I'll just say, I mean, I wasn't intending to talk about the whole pandemic, but it is still like, every time somebody says like, how are you doing? I still don't really know how to process everything that's going on. It's, yeah. I mean, football, as we're talking on a Monday, we will be, if everything goes off, we, I will now be discussing what happened week one, Washington, Philadelphia. And I can't comprehend that because I'm still in the mindset of where we've been for the last six months of, I don't yeah. know how to plan for anything beyond this minute. And uh, it's really hard to, fit, to fathom well, that this is happening. And there's no there's no blueprint either for people in the football business. It's almost like we got lulled to sleep over the past few months thinking, I thought for a while, and of course, you know, when I said, I'm not sure about the season happening, and this was healthy skepticism, in my opinion. You, you, of course, that's met with a bunch of, you hate football, you're rooting against football. I'm like, dude, I want to make money this fall. Like, I would like to to be busy. I don't want to just binge you know every Netflix show under the sun like I'd like to watch football it's been impressive what they've done so far as far as keeping the positives down and of course that's camp so guys got to go home uh, in some capacity recently uh, over the past couple days and we'll see what that yields as far as you know do we see the numbers go up but so far so good well, actually, let me ask you this in terms of that. So, right, everything, they're not in a bubble, but to some degree things have been controlled and that everything is localized. Everybody's been staying together. That You know, nobody's traveling. Okay, that's about to change now. Teams are going to go on the road. Philadelphia is coming to Washington week one. That's not the most massive travel. I don't even know. Philly may leave at the last minute for all I know. But yeah, we usually two, bus down there, which is a train, which is nice. I enjoy the train ride. Like week two, for example, Washington goes to Arizona. Um, yeah. The fact, as a, as a former player, do you see any concerns about the travel aspect? Not even necessarily the plane, yeah. but the once the players are in this extra place, this new place, yeah. new elements being in, do you see any concerns about, uh, you know, you know yeah. possibly the, the, the spread increasing? It's been pretty good so far. Well, I think when you looked at baseball, and there was zero shock on this when, it, when I added it up, actually, because those guys are so used to when they hit the road, they're out and about. Those guys are like, hey, we'll go get a beer. We'll go get dinner. We'll go catch up with friends. Like whatever they're doing, baseball players on the road, it's a different game from football players on the road. And probably the same thing with basketball, which is why it was great. They bubbled uh, and they've done that, you know, you know, terrifically. Uh, the, those guys are the benchmark for, uh, you know, 
quarantine and bubbling and, and thank God for basketball. It's been awesome. I think football guys are used to being a little bit more under lock and key. Uh, when we go on the road, a lot of people think like, and I've had people over my career, like, Hey, let's get dinner when you come in town or you got any time. I'm like, when we touch down, we go to meetings, we have a meal. And this is my best night's sleep on the road as a professional football player, especially with kids. So my ass is going to bed. I'm early. When they, when, when, when they knock on my room at 11 o'clock for a curfew, they're probably going to wake me up and it's going to piss me off. Like, that's how it is when you get in town. Now, two-day trips, some coaches like the two-day trips for like a West Coast trip. So like when Washington goes to Arizona, when I played in St. Louis and we played in the NFC West, we would take two-day trips under Jeff Fisher to, to San Francisco, to L.A., uh, or not to LA, to Arizona and Seattle. Um, and, you know, coaches that do that every year, they've got something to think about because that, that creates more of an opportunity for contamination and that sort of thing, or people uh, spreading it. I don't worry about the travel as much as I would in other sports. I actually worry more about in your respective city. And I think that's what's going to yield really, at times, uneven and interesting results. Some guys play in Buffalo, some guys play in Minnesota. Some guys play in L.A., some people play in Chicago. And with these variances in how different states and cities are doing and guidelines and that sort of thing, you also have different institutional control with different coaches. You know, I, I don't worry about the Patriots having an outbreak. They're in Foxborough. Bill Belichick is not going to deal with some young kid who just got paid going to a nightclub. Like he's just not going to deal with it. It's going to be hard to control some guys. The size of rosters, you just can't keep it together the entire year which is why I think we'll see some outbreaks and and what's going to happen when the NFL one position room gets wiped out in one week that's going to be we'll see if this season can go the distance when we see that I, I remain cautiously optimistic props to the league for getting to this point we're on the doorstep of the season and yeah, there's still a long way to go but you know I, I was saying the same thing about the NBA and, and look you know they're Still a long way to go, but so far so good. They've been in the bubble for a while, and it's been good. So if they can keep it up, um, you know, they, they, everybody may be able to pull this off. And I, like you know, like you kind of said before, I was realistically concerned that you know yeah. about all this, even if to the point of should we even be doing some of this again to the people who question if if <laughs> if the season doesn't happen, I may be unemployed. So I'm yeah, definitely right. right. It was amazing the kind of backlash some people. Some people are rooting against football. I'm like, uh, am I actively rooting against like making money? Or some people are, you know, providing for their families like week in and week out who are taking the stand that like, hey, this this looks like it could be a bad idea. And at times it did look like a bad idea. And I, I kept saying like, I would love to be wrong on this thing. And so far I've been wrong, and that's great. Um, I still do think we are going to hit a crossroads at some point in the season. What happens when, like I said, offensive line room gets, gets, um, gets knocked out in one fell swoop and you've got a franchise quarterback, a Patrick Mahomes, that you're like, do you even play the guy? Um, you know, what happens? You see Josh, Josh McCown in Philly is, you know, making 12 grand a week to be the emergency quarterback. Um, that doesn't – Listen, to be an emergency defensive end, you'd have to pay me more than twelve grand a week. Uh, but for the quarterback deal with Josh McCown, who spent Fridays last year back home in Texas, I guess, to watch football or coach football or something, this isn't that different. And, and Bruce Arians was on my pod before and talked about, hey, we might keep an emergency quarterback. So you just never know the, the variables that are going to pop up during the season. I think we could have to bubble for the playoffs. I mean, you just you can't count that out. 
for 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 sure. Um, let, let's get to some 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 football talk. Let's get to a good idea. What I I think is a pretty good idea, and that was Washington taking Chase Young with the second overall pick in yeah. the draft. Yeah, uh, this is a unique opportunity to talk to a former NFL defensive end who himself was yeah. the second overall pick in the draft. Uh, obviously, the hype on Chase is pretty pretty significant. I think fans are excited. If there wasn't a million negative stories going on with this team over the last five months. I think we'd be talking even more about how exciting he is yeah. going into the year, but it feels like he's almost been oddly overlooked because there's one headline after the other. Um, but as a guy who's done this, you, you know, I don't, I don't know how much you've been able to watch him either at Ohio state or, or just going into the season, but what's your, what's your thought on him? And, you know, is, it, do you see this yeah. significant hyping worthy? Listen, my job, the way I look at it is, and I, I, I try to watch some college tape. I mean, I do, because I, I love watching college football and that sort of thing. And I want to pulse on, you know, what everybody looks like. But it's such a crapshoot that I can't wait to see Chase Young at the pro level. And even, you know, seeing him his first year is not going to tell us the whole story. You know, um, I cannot relate to being as hyped as he was or as talented as he was. You know, my draft class was a down year. You know, I got picked second. The other d defensive linemen that were picked in the top ten were, you know, Vernon Golston, Derek Harvey, uh, Cedric Ellis, uh, and and Glenn Dorsey, who had a nice career. But, like, the guys from that draft class that, that balled out and played long careers were obviously Calais Campbell. He, he, he turned out to be the best one, and me and Cliff Averill. Um, so it, it, this is a different level of hype. Um, this is a guy that's supposed to transcend the position, it's supposed to be generationally – dominant and that's a tough ask for a guy to live up to that when you naturally are going to play on a bad team now the silver lining for him though is he's surrounded by talent that's a way different d-line room to walk into it's a way different defense to walk into than most top picks get to walk into so i think he's got that going for him he's got kerrigan to learn from he's got sweat to take the pressure off him because sweat is also still under some pressure you know, um, you're going to want to see him continue to improve. He had seven sacks last year, I believe. Um, it's, it's a good room for Chase Young to be in. And Ohio State has had a lot of success with these defensive ends. That's, that's becoming obvious. I mean, the Bosa brothers and now, and now Chase. The over-under for him is eight and a half sacks. I'll take the under, but only by a smidge. And I think that's still a really successful year because I think there's a lot of mouths to feed in that D-line room. Um, which is good for his long-term development, uh, but certainly a lot of pressure. Uh, but it could be worse. You know, if he gets drafted to Cincinnati, that defense is completely barren. He's not going to have time to rush the passer. He's not going to have the coverage. The secondary there is beat up. So just he kind of got lucky a little bit, if that's possible. No offense, going to Washington. <laughs> like he kind of got lucky a little bit to join that defense. And I, it's exciting, and I can't wait to watch him play. And that is the part that I think is interesting. It's, it's, I mean, I've made these comparisons to Nick Bosa joining San Francisco, and maybe it's not completely fair, but just San Francisco is a defense that had a bunch of recent high draft picks on the line, and they had been good, but when Bosa showed up, it, feel, it felt like it, I've used this term unlocked a hundred times now, that it unlocked something else because now you had all these guys across the line, and it feels like Chase Young could do the same. Yeah. I mean, w with Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, and others – this defense was still terrible last year. So it's not as if they were great, but no, the no, opportunity is there. Of, there's always an element of if your offense is just piss poor, uh, which makes Tampa's defense last year being really competitive, unbelievable. I mean, that offense ran the score up, but there were so many sudden changes. There were so many short possessions. You know, not having that that kind of that kind of 
stability on the other side of the ball really hurts the defense. So I'll be excited to see, you know, under presumably a better system. And I don't know what Scott Turner's got in store. I mean, I know everything that happened with AP, and that's not to say that AP can't play anymore. I think it's just more of a, a motion offense where you're, you're going to need to dump the ball off to guys out of the backfield and that sort of thing. I'll be excited to see the steps that Dwayne Haskins takes, even with a short offseason. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard on defense when your offense is kind of crap. And when you talked about Nick Bosa, it wasn't just the D-line. Most of their sacks came on long shot clocks. So if you looked at, like, most of their sacks of the season, there were four-plus-second sacks, which means somebody behind you is helping make you money. And if you can get to that point, you don't have to be that good, but you'll really help your investment up front when you can justify that pick with numbers. You know, when I went to St. Louis – we didn't have coverage. Uh, we didn't have anything. So it was truly like being dropped into a hellstorm as far as playing on, a, on an NFL defense. And the offense was bad, too. I feel like Chase has got a chance to, out of the gate, learn from really good players. He's obviously got physical talent, and he's going to have opportunities. I don't think the team's going to be as bad as people think. Uh, what does that mean? Does that mean three, four wins? Maybe. Uh, but I think there's going to be some things to build on. I was going to ask you about Chase Young's strengths and weaknesses, and you can pivot there if you want, but I'll go with a really uh, stupid question, and that is he's been at practice basically wearing a half shirt the whole time. We're showing off yeah. his uh, abs <laughs> what, as, a, as, a, as a lineman. Like, everybody else is wearing it normal. He's doing that. What do we, what do we think about when a guy's pulling that move off? It just means that you, you've, you've, got a, you've got a good core. <laughs> like, you've got abs. Like, listen – I would have loved to get some to, to drop the top or do, you know, uh, the sunroof and, and get my core a little bit of air, you know, on those <laughs> hot August days. But I knew that I had the love handles and uh, I was built a little different than Chase Young. And no matter how, how many abs you do in the NFL, you go to camp, you eat like you're going to the electric chair. Uh, for me, it wasn't the time. Chase Young, that just speaks to his elite physical ability. But you touched on something with with their offseason that, I don't know if it takes the pressure off Chase Young or it puts the pressure on him, but I, I can't remember a heavier offseason in a sports franchise. You've got, you know, the stories that broke on the culture there. You've got the stubborn battle over the name change. Ron Rivera's health, which followed your assistant head coach, insinuating that he kind of doesn't believe in COVID or doesn't believe in guys opting out. Okay. You've got the guy stuff. And your best stories, you either can't take a victory lap on, like – the league's first black president um, because of your track record as a franchise or Alex Smith, because damn, I want to cringe every time I love Alex Smith, but I'm cringing every time I see him take a rep because I saw that video of him walking. It's just the weirdest off season for a team ever. And I don't know if that takes the pressure off Chase Young or puts it on him more so. Yes, yes to all of that. I, I have the same question, and it, it's been weird realizing that, like, this guy should be easily the number one – one of the top two or three stories on this team, along with Rivera as the new coach and Haskins going into his second year. Instead, we barely have talked about him, relatively speaking, to normal because of all these uh, 100 other things. Uh, we're, we're here talking with uh, former NFL player Chris Long, again, host of the uh, podcast Green Light with Chris Long. You can find on Apple and everywhere else you do your podcast. Um, I want to get into just a couple other things while, while I've got you here. Uh, let me get into some uh, r randomness, but you but you talked about the team. So you were in the you were in the NFC for yeah. most of your career. You were in the NFC East the last two years with Philadelphia. Yeah. To what degree you guys ever as players think about other teams? I don't know, but what did you think? For I mean, throughout your career, Washington has been bad. 
they yeah. were good when your father played. Obviously, your father got the best of them in the Super Bowl, but they made right. the Super Bowl that year and had won it the year before. They've been pretty miserable your whole career. So when when you and players are talking about other teams, especially maybe when you're in, in the division, what was the thought on Washington? Was it a joke? Was it just what, – what, what was the thing when you guys would talk about them? Yeah, well, it's funny because when I played Washington early in my career in St. Louis, it was like we got – well, this was in the prime of my career. It was RG3. Um, it was that sort of thing. I remember Washington, when I first got in the league, they were bad, just like us. And we actually won one of our few uh, games we won my first couple of years in St. Louis. Would, we beat Washington at FedEx Field, I think, maybe twice. Um, and then there was the RG3 era, and then there was the, you know, the post-RG3 era. And I got to Philly, and I just I, I kept thinking to myself, I, I kept thinking to myself like this is a new division. It's weird. I don't have a handle on the rivalries. Um, you know, I, I kind of learned on the fly that Eagles fans really hate the Cowboys. They kind of resent the Giants. Uh, but it's it's more of an inconvenience lately with with the Washington team. Um, you know they're going to play hard. You know that you know that they're that that they've got you checked off on the schedule, especially because we were good in Philly when, when, when I played there. Um, but it, it didn't feel like this fierce rivalry. No, the, the rivalry was Dallas uh, all day. Um, but I would love to see Washington be good again. And, and I think one of the reasons I mentioned all those negative things about, um, about Washington, there's one guy that could actually make it kind of fun to root for him. And that's Ron Rivera. I mean, I feel like Ron Rivera makes that team, possibly likable and possibly a team that you're going to root for if you can separate it from the front office troubles and the ownership troubles uh i would love to see washington be good again now i was going to use you here as sort of the uh, attempt to do a, a formal nfc east preview but yeah that's why i could bother you with questions about ezekiel elliott and saquon barkley and carson went but no you go go chris did an entire breakdown of the division with, with like real guests like Phil Sims, go, go listen to that. But let me ask I, you. I give, I'll, I'll give you my little. I'll give you my little Dallas and Philly thing because the Giants. The Giants to me, it's all about: Are we wasting Saquon's prime? That's the biggest question to me. He's one of the best backs I've seen in in my time in the league, and they'll be exciting at least if they don't turn the ball over. But the two teams, I mean, the Giants are going to have to score thirty points a game to be competitive. That defense is. And they've got fun wide receivers, but the two teams are obviously Dallas and Philly. I mean, who do you like in the division? Am I putting you on the spot to make your pick? Uh, no, no. I told you before, like at this point, other than like the the fifty three players in Washington, I'm like almost clueless about the league. But no, I mean, look, Dallas. I mean, on, on paper, the pieces they have on both sides of the ball seem pretty interesting. Whether the new coaching staff, it's weird that McCartney McCart. Uh, McCarthy is not calling the plays. I wonder how that works over time. But, you know, on paper, that should work. But, you know, again, you got Dak's contract, um, the, some of the defensive stuff, Mike Nolan, you know, new coordinator. I don't really know if he's the modern. There's a lot of unknowns there. There's a right. lot. Of, there's, and there's – on paper, yeah, they look like another Super Bowl contender, but they fooled me last year, my first year in the media. I was like, God, I hate to do this, but I kind of feel like Dallas could be a, slap, a sleeper to – to go to, I got on Miami. That's where the Super Bowl was. It feels like two years ago. Um, yeah. I, I think the biggest question mark with Dallas and, and Philly is, you know, Zeke is five and one against the Eagles when healthy. You know, even when I was there, we beat a healthy Zeke zero times in two years there. We beat Alfred, Alfred Morris. Uh, and I think we still would have won because that was a Super Bowl year, but they've kind of had this like 
they've kind of had the division on lock in the end division games. The key for Dallas is going to be beating those playoff teams outside the division. And they've got the NFC West and the AFC North this year. Um, if they can handle their business out of division, I do agree with most people that it's their division to lose. But the Eagles um, have a ton of upside too. And uh, I think they're going to be very motivated. Now, typically, if we did the question of pick a player, the, the, the player to start a team with among the NFC East teams, I'm sure we could get to, like I said, uh, Saquon Barkley or one of the quarterbacks. But let's not do that. Instead, the same question, but you can't pick a superstar. So who's yeah. sort of like the role player or the overlooked starter that if you were going to start a team among the – start with among one player from those yeah. four teams, who is that tone setter kind of for you? Well, Fletcher Cox is too good to, to, to name for this. But um, as far as non-quarterbacks are concerned, if you're going to, to Philly, I love Lane Johnson. I love Fletcher Cox. I mean, those are guys that are cornerstone-type franchise players. Lane Johnson is one of the best tackles in the game, period. He can play left. He can play right. My answer might be Lane Johnson um, because of the importance of, of, um, of, of protecting your quarterback. But as I go around, the, around that division – Gosh, you think about t players you want to start your franchise with, corners, tackles, pass rushers. Uh, there's no one edge rusher to me that stands out. There's a lot of really good ones, uh, but there's nobody that's like that Von Miller type. Demarcus Lawrence, I love his game. He's got to show more consistency. Brandon Graham, he's not a guy that's going to get you 14 sacks a year, but he's always damn good. He's going to be in that eight sack a year range with a ton of TFLs placed out against the run. I guess it would be a tackle like Lane Johnson. Sure. I mean, I, I, I feel like the, one of the smartest things I've ever said for me was 20 years ago saying everything starts at the line. And maybe it's because I grew up with the hogs and yeah. saw the importance of, of that. Yeah. But to me, it was always like, you got to, that's where you've got to be. And, you know, to, when you see franchises, including this one at times, just not invest. They have recently to some degree, but like, in, it's just so frustrating. And right now that, that well, may be the, the biggest, line for you guys is a big concern. I, big I, concern. I, I think, Hey, listen, every team's – well, I, I haven't paid attention to what's going on with the front in, in, in New York. I just chalked that up as it's going to be a long year. Uh, but out of the other three teams, Philly's dealing with problems up front. Dallas is dealing with – Leo Collins just came down with an injury. He's going to be out till week four. The only saving grace there is they play three teams off the bat who haven't been very prolific as far as edge rush is concerned. I think L.A., uh, Seattle, and Atlanta. Now, um, Fowler is in Atlanta now, I believe. So you could have a long day there. But, you know, Dallas, their strength has been O-line. Philly, their strength has been O-line. They're all banged up. Luckily for Philly, they just got JP to agree to play left tackle. The Cordy Glenn thing. I, I think one of the biggest things with, with the narratives on the O-lines in, uh, in, in that division, if you're watching for one thing, it's going to be the Eagles front. Because the Eagles front – uh, is going to be really dependent on keeping Carson upright. And we all know the biggest narrative is that Carson can't stay healthy. And I don't agree with that necessarily. I think that sometimes, like, you're not injury prone, but you have some injuries that are bad luck. He's diving to, to score a touchdown. Mark Barron hits him awkward, and he tears his ACL. you got a back thing that's a result of that, I believe, um, overcompensation, that sort of thing. You get the, the concussion last year, which is Clowney spearing him on a dirty play. Anybody would have been carted off with a concussion after that hit. I think Carson, though, has to prove this year that he can start another 16 games. And last year, by the way, he, he threw for 4,000 yards. Everybody shitted on him, but he threw for 4,000 yards to a bunch of guys that you'd never heard of. 
he's got to stay upright. And I think one of the biggest things you, you have, you, you can't collapse that pocket. If you're Philly guys have to, if you're going to get beat, get beat with speed, get beat right in your face, but don't, I don't want people's feet chopping back into Carson landing on his ankles, somebody table topping him. If they can keep Carson upright and Jalen Rager comes back healthy, uh, I think I think they can make a run at this thing. The offensive line situation, though, is scary for Dallas and for uh, Philly because they, they're good units, but they're getting older. You lose Brooks, um, JP's 38 years old, and in Dallas you got Tyron Smith and Jack, Zach Martin who have to stay healthy. The O line could make or break uh, this division in particular. What you see uh, with the fronts. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, let me ask you an off the wall question, just because you know being way too serious here. Uh, 2020 is bad on a hundred ways that we all get that. Yeah. I'm not making light of anything, but there's obviously no. been a lot of weird stuff that's happened this year. Where, <laughs> where does Bill Belichick doing a subway commercial rank among the weird things that have happened in 2020? What I wonder is what kind of money it must be he's making to move him to do this stuff. Cause I know he has zero interest in like anything in he's doing this stuff. I mean, no, I think he likes, um, I think he loves history. He loves the cross. And he loves like boats. I feel like he loves boats. He, you know, he's a big like. He lives in like Hingham, near the the ocean, and or, or he's in the Cape somewhere. I I don't know, but I I just I could see him when he stops coaching football, making boats like those miniature boats that you put on the mantle that take like eighteen hours to make. I did not know commercials were in were in his wheelhouse. And I, I'm just curious what kind of what kind of cash he's making to move him to be in a Subway commercial. I mean, the Cam Newton thing, he's praising Cam Newton like he never praised Tom Brady. Uh, I, maybe we're seeing a new bill this year. Yeah, some, something is going on. I mean, really, I mean, bill. 2020, uh, I, you know, being indoors and away from everybody is certainly uh, altering my brain in ways I'm, I'm nervous about. So maybe for him, it's yeah. turned him into, <laughs> turned him into a, uh, a different person. Yeah, uh, Super bizarre. Uh, here's another completely off the wall random question. You, you, you. Uh, I read something. You said you retired, and when the idea of you, you haven't like officially retired, right? Yeah, like I, never, you, I never did like the press conference. Right. So the idea was, I think you kind of said, well, you could be the Rams with the team you were the longest, but now they don't. They're not in the city yeah. that you played in. You were yeah. in only New England for one year, and you did feel a connection to Philly, but you know it was only two years. Yeah. So, so here's the completely random question. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars have zero players in the NFL Hall of Fame. So, yeah. if hypothetically we could get you to, if we, you know, you could should be in this conversation, how much money would it take for you to retire as a Jacksonville Jaguar? Seeing as how <laughs> everything else is kind of random anyway, how much money yeah. would that take? Well, unfortunately, I'm about 30 sacks short of the Hall of Fame. There, I, you know, like, yeah. uh, but and a bunch of Pro Bowls. I never went. I mean, take that for what you will. I mean, I, it's 40 in four years and never went once. So fuck the Pro Bowl, but. I Jacksonville listen it would take me a lot to I hear Doug Marone is tough I hear the practices are tough I hear you know if I was going to sign a one-day contract with somebody I might as well come back and play because I've never been a one-day contract guy like to me it's like why do I have to re-retire two years out I've said if I ever officially if I ever officially retired um I've said if I ever officially retired I'd be an eagle because the Rams are gone. I'd feel like I'm betraying St. Louis if I retired an L.A. Ram. Although I don't hate the L.A. Rams, 
um, because I have some friends that are still working for that, for that crew and everything. And I have sentimental value with the horns and everything, although they completely bastardized that uniform um, this year with that weird shit they have going on. New England, I was only there one year. Philly would be where I would retire. But I feel like there's a self-importance for a guy like coming back to the city and, you know, like holding a press conference in the middle of like, it's not your turn anymore. Unless you're like one of the greats, I'm probably just going to stay the way I am, which is an ambiguously retired dude. Uh, uh, yeah, I like that. Not just ambiguously retired, ambiguously retired dude. Um, yeah, I, I, exactly. I, 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 I like that. Um, you, you mentioned your draft class. You were the second pick. Mm-hmm. I think one of the weirdest notes ever in the history of sports is that you were the second pick in the entire draft, and yet you weren't even the first player with your with your yeah, last name. I know. Did, uh-huh. did you did you did you just like give Chuck uh, Jake Long yeah. like a look a look like dude are you serious yeah you can't, uh, you can't even get this honestly it was one of those things that I didn't care if I got drafted high or not because I knew that the further I fell the better the team I'd be on was and like New England was picking six Gerard Mayo went to New England good for him uh, <laughs> you know like I. I'm looking at those franchises at the front and we all were tight. Cause back then you went to radio city music hall and it was me, Jake long, Glenn, uh, Matt Ryan, who went to Atlanta. Um, me and, and Jake, Jake long are, goes first to Miami. You yeah, go goes second first to, to Miami Vegas. and I go second. It, a lot of people confused us. I bet. I don't know what it is about like last names and people just can't, we're completely different looking, completely different body types. We play on different sides of the ball, different teams but I can't tell you how many times I got called Jake and I know how many times he's been called Chris and we still, we still stay in touch. And I thought Jake had a great career. The only thing that, that, that kept him from playing for 12, 15 years was injuries. I mean, he couldn't stay healthy, Uh, but it was an interesting draft class. I mean, there were a lot of misses early um, and it wasn't the deepest class, uh, but certainly some good dudes and uh, some dudes pulled out some really nice careers out of that class. You mentioned all the things that have been going around here this year. One of them is the name, the, the team name change. Yeah. It's now a whole new process with a, with a new team president. They're going to go through a formal review and sounds like they're going to take their time, which I think is a reasonable approach. Would you like to throw in a suggestion for a new name uh, into the into the arena? Mm. The, well, it's so hard in Washington because I feel like everything has to be stately. You know, you've got the capitals and, you know, the you the Red Wolves was solid. I, I like the Red Wolves, I guess, if you're trying to keep, you know, red in there. Um, that's, that's the Fred Smoot. Uh, he, Fred Smoot is the official backer of the, of the, the Red, red Wolves. Wolves I mean, yeah. anything with a wolf on it, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Um, but I'm saying why not mix it up? I mean, there's some big five animals from Africa that have not been named as – where are the hippos? Where are, like, the – where are the elephants? Like, where, like let's get weird. Let, let's not – Let's not do. Let's let's not take a path that that's been taken, and let's let's shake it up. I don't care if they stay the Washington Football Team. Uh, it's it it sounds really it sounds really dignified, which is much different than the reputation of the organization lately. Uh, I, of course, this is the problem with this town. So if you go with the elephant, I believe that is the official mascot of the Republican Party. Yeah, we don't want that. Actually, so that, which, I'm just saying that will lead other that will leave some people to. To 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 get to have, to have a hissy fit. Are you in general? Are you in general a, a, a an an animal mascot name guy though, as opposed to like 
a concept like the Seattle hockey team is the Kraken, which is a, uh, I guess sort of like a comic booky type thing or. Yeah. I'm, 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 we have I like weather classics. systems. I like classics when it comes to uniforms and team names. Um, I love the uniforms the way they are right now. Beautiful. Uh, and, you know, when it comes to the names, I'm just not a big, like, storm, uh, right. you know, hurricane, like a singular kind of collective thing. I'm not into that. So as long as you stay away from that, I'm pretty good with it. Um, but definitely – you could use a little shake up with the branding for sure when it comes to uniforms and, and the team name obviously needed to be changed. But I look at this as an opportunity. I'm a uni snob and I love, I love uh, mascots. I wish, I wish I was part of a consultant firm. Uh, we, well, I may have a, I may have a job for you. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss that. Uh, okay, cool. we'll, we'll discuss that offline. Um, let, let me just get you out add on this. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, there's so many things to talk about with this football team, but you mentioned Alex Smith. Look, I have no idea if he's actually going to ever suit up on the field on yeah. Sundays. Uh, but he, I, I'm sort of describing it as he's driven all the way across country to get to the Grand Canyon, and it's unbelievable that he's made this drive and gotten to the edge. But now he has to leap over the canyon. And then yeah. even Ron Rivera told us the other day that he said, I think, that Alex has been cleared for contact. He did say that Alex was doing 11-on-11s. Yes, they're wearing the non-contact jersey, but people are around your feet coming at you. He said he would feel comfortable using him in a game week one against Philadelphia. I, again, I don't know. I, I, from my perspective, as a as a guy who sits on his couch, this all seems impossible to me that this could happen. But he's made it this far. He's looked pretty reasonable out on the field in terms of just the drills and mobility. But as a guy who's been in the game, I, I presume you've, if not seen the documentary or just you know, yeah, you're aware. Can you comprehend how he could play? And what do you think about just what we've seen to this point anyway? I don't think I can comprehend it, but I'm not the, I'm not the end all be all on this thing. Like I had a doctor on recently from my old playing days in St. Louis to talk about injuries this year. And Alex Smith came up and I was surprised at how, you know, structurally sound everything is in there. It sounds like, you know, like he's not, it didn't, it, it sounded better than I thought, you know, I, I don't want to put the wrong hat on here and try to be a doctor, but when you watch the injury, when you've seen him walking around and maybe they caught him in a viral video, you know, when he was out there in the driveway with his driveway with his family immediately, I was like, that just doesn't, it doesn't look right. But Alex Smith is trying to accomplish a goal. I don't know what that goal is for him. I know he's been kind of, he hasn't spoken regularly about this thing. I haven't seen the documentary. I haven't seen him do interviews this camp. We tried to get him on the pod. I couldn't get him on. I love Alex Smith. I played with Alex. I played against Alex Smith in division. I was right there when he got hit in the head by Joel Dunbar, and that's when Cap came into the picture. Sure. And then, of course, um, he gives way to who looks like a, a Hall of Famer and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he's had an interesting career. He goes from people calling him a bust to being a really good quarterback in the NFL. And here's another mountain that he's climbing. Uh, I think – I think the action of climbing the mountain is just doing what he's done to this point. He doesn't have anything to prove to me. He doesn't have anything to prove to the media. He doesn't have anything to prove to the fans. Whatever Alex Smith wants to get out of this, Alex Smith, you know, will get out of it. And I, I think Kyle Allen's your, your guy who's going to dress, no doubt about it, and be your number two. Uh, but I wouldn't feel comfortable hitting him. Like, like, I would have to, like, almost talk to him and be like, yo, are you good? before this game, you know, and I know that if he en ends up in a game this year, it would be an emergency. Um, but we've all seen the footage. Um, 
and and I don't know I don't know I don't know what he wants out of this, but I have great respect for him and I love the guy. Yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I mean, I've thought about that, but not before. But you just said it now. The idea of as the defensive player whose job is to take down the quarterback, how comfortable do you feel? I remember the video when Joe thought when Lawrence Taylor sacked Joe Theismann and led to his injury, and you see Lawrence Taylor just looking complete shock of what just happened. And uh, I've been wondering that too. Who is the first guy that that hits Alex Smith, and what happens? And how do you feel about that? Because nobody wants to be in the position of hurting anybody. So how? Yeah, I, it's interesting. Like the idea of as the defensive player, how comfortable do you even feel? taking this guy down I don't I, I don't know how comfortable I'd feel you know um I never cared for a second about hitting a quarterback you know I'd, I never I never thought about their safety I didn't do I tried not to be dirty but if if I'm hitting a quarterback clean and he gets hurt so be it that's just kind of football but you know somebody like Alex you don't want to be the guy that you know this guy climbs this mountain to get back up and I don't – for the record, I don't think he's going to see significant snaps this year. I could see something really – and I'm not trying to minimize this to a feel-good story because that's way too light of a de designation for the journey he's been on. Sure. This has been – he's climbed out of hell. I mean, this guy, all the surgeries he's had, it's been unbelievable to watch him do this and the mental fortitude it takes. He's also a smart guy. I think he, he knows what the risks are. But being a competitor and coming this far – I don't know if he's going to know when to say when. Um, and I do worry when he gets in a game, if he gets in a game, what that's like. And if I was a defensive player, it would be in my mind. Uh, well, Chris, uh, I really appreciate the time. Uh, I kept you probably longer than I, than, than, uh, no I, I, I let on, so I appreciate it. Uh, go check, check out the podcast, uh, Green Light with Chris Long. Anything, you've, you're previewing all the divisions. I listened to, yeah. to the one, one, one with the NFC and AFC East. Anything in there that you want to you mention or anything coming up that people should be on the lookout for? No, just check out, um, you know, by the time your deal drops, we'll be doing the South this week, and it looks like we're going to have Steven Jackson, my old teammate, to talk about. Or No, we're not doing the South. Sorry, we're doing the West. It's When you're doing these previews and we're talking on, uh, offline, your fucking head spins, excuse my French. but. Um, yeah, I would say check out the check out what we have coming up this week with Mina Kimes, Stephen Jackson. We're finding an AFC West wrap to talk about the NFC and AFC West, and then this Friday we're going to wrap it all up and do some some gambling talks, some some uh, league wide superlatives and that sort of thing. So appreciate you guys checking it out. Well, when are you and Rosilla doing something again? Me and Rosilla are actually we're supposed to do a pod tonight. Um, and you know we're, we're gonna we're gonna be working together in some capacity uh throughout the fall but he's like my podcast dad he's definitely helped me uh a great deal and and uh i love working with him so look forward to that yeah that, that's how I, I got to know you more off the field from 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 with him and van pelt so uh yeah. i definitely uh appreciate that <laughs> absolutely all right chris greatly appreciate it man Thanks thank you so much that. yeah take it easy All right. Uh, many thanks to Chris for his time. Uh, just as a quick uh, fun fact about what happened with that interview. I'd not, I'd never, uh, I, I reached out to Chris to do the interview the other day. We had not talked before. And as we were getting ready for the interview, we did it over Zoom. I was uh, wearing a, a, a random USC Trojans hat. It's just in the house. Don't, uh, no allegiance, but it just existed. And I'm cognizant always of what the hat I'm wearing when I'm talking to somebody um, because, you know, you don't want to, uh, you know, if people go to different schools or you don't want to offend or, you know, whatever it is. So I try to be as neutral as possible. The only other hat I had in my vicinity was where I went to school, UMBC. 
and UMBC doesn't have a football team, so I was like, right, I'll, I'll go with that. And then, of course, as we start the interview, I realized, well, I didn't realize this until he pointed it out, that, uh, yeah, Chris went to UVA, <laughs> and UMBC uh, kind of had a big win over UVA. And he start, we, start talk, we start talking, he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa I got to mention the hat. And at first I was like, what? And then I was like, oh, snap. He's a, he's a, he's a wahoo. And uh, he, you know, gave me a little grief. But fortunately he was like, but it's all good since Virginia won the title the next year. Otherwise I could have started off that interview. <laughs> very, uh, that interview could have been very short. But fortunately, uh, Chris is a, very, is a very cool guy. And uh, we, we, we quickly moved past that. So uh, rookie mistake on the first, uh, on the first episode of the, uh, of the podcast. Um, let's wrap it up with just a couple quick thoughts. So I'm, t- I'm recording this on a Tuesday. So um, if you're listening to this and wondering how come I didn't talk about what other crazy things have happened in the last 48 hours, like, you know, I don't know, aliens landing on the practice field or Peyton Manning coming out of retirement to play quarterback for this team. Come on. Neither one of those things are that outlandish, right? Who knows at this point based on how this offseason has gone. Um, but what, what, what I do know is that barring the unforeseen at this point, there will be a football game Sunday at FedEx Field. There will be the the Philadelphia Eagles, there will be the Washington football team, and there will be nothing but empty stands all around them. The, uh, I'll be there as, as part of the media contingent in the press box. Even that group will be smaller than usual, and it's going to be weird. I mean, what hasn't been weird in the last six months? Obviously, it's been all nuts, but this will be particularly jarring. We, we saw a practice recently uh, there, and um, you know, it was practice, not to go full Iverson here, but we're talking practice. And, uh, you know, that that had its own odd elements for sure. But this will be for real. This is going to be actually happening. And to watch a game and and to know that there's no – I know we can all make the jokes about the the stands have been largely empty the last few years at at FedEx Field. And and that's, you know, a a fair, a reasonable point. But regardless, there's no ambient noise. There's There's no fans cheering or booing or anything. There's no opposing fans doing their thing. Uh, you know, there's no there's no uh, vendors walking around. There's no kids in, uh, y- you know, in Dwayne Haskins jerseys or the old folks in Daryl Green jerseys. There's just nothing. And I, I'll be honest, uh, as I sort of said in the interview with Chris, I, I don't know. Mentally, I'm not there yet. I, I still am sort of dealing in a minute by minute existence. And it's hard to fathom that will be, you know, by this point, we'll have already dissected. By this point next week, I've already dissected a game, but we'll do it. And um, it's going to be weird. And I, I'm, I'm prepared for the weird, but it's going to be unique and interesting. And I'm excited to see what happens. And I'm excited to see what happens going forward with this podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed that first interview. As I said, we'll, we'll be a little more structured, hopefully going forward. But I'm excited to uh, to keep going forward, like I said, there'll be uh, components of the Washington football team in every episode, and beyond that, we'll see. We'll see what's on my mind, what I'm thinking about, and hopefully what you guys are interested in. All right, that's it for now. Until next time, Ben Standick signing off.